You're listening to the Breaking Through Podcast, showcasing the best new talent hitting the scene. G'day and welcome to the Breaking Through Podcast. This week, I'm really keen for this one. Good mate of mine, Yuka, comes on the pod. How are you going today? Hey, good. How are you, man? Yeah, not bad, not bad. You can find her stuff on the usual streaming platforms. Um, we've been mates for quite a while, Lish. Yes. Um, and I have never asked you, like, <laughs> why Yuka? Like, I know I, I did a little thing on your Facebook how it's like eucalyptus, whatever. But <laughs> how how did you get to that point? Okay, so it's a funny story, I guess. I grew up always knowing that I wanted to go into music full time professionally, and I had a unique name. Like my first name's Eilish, as you obviously know. Um, so I grew up always being like, sweet, I've got a name sorted. I don't have to think of a pseudonym for music at all. And then Billie Eilish hit the scene three years ago and suddenly my name is known everywhere. So I pretty much just realized, all right, I need to get creative here because if I use Eilish, no one's going to be able to find me. Um, I'm going to be buried underneath Billie Eilish content. (laughs) So I kind of just ran with what is it about my name that I liked or what is it that I wanted my image to sort of embody right from the beginning. Um, Being Aussie, that was really important to me. Um, I wanted the name to sort of exude some sort of Australian-ness, which I don't know if it does, Euchre or not, but I pretty much just was like, I want it to be something that um, is quick, easy. And I honestly was just driving along and saw like a bunch of eucalyptus and Yuka came to mind and I sort of ran it by a bunch of friends, did a little test on everyone and it sort of stuck with everyone. Everyone seemed to really like it and here we are. What, what's the what, what's the thing I'm thinking of how it's, um, is it is it homegrown and, you, and your mum loves it? Is that Yeah. The um, so when <laughs> I was putting my socials together, I was like, how am I going to explain how to pronounce this a little bit more interesting than just putting the pronunciation right there? Um, so I wrote... Like eucalyptus, homegrown, good for you, and your mum loves it. That's it. I knew I, was, I knew I was missing something, but that's <laughs> like when I did see the Facebook page, I was like, oh, like, I was like, what the fuck is a yucca? Like, I don't understand. And like, then, where did this come from? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was expecting like Eilish or, or Lish. I think Lish would have worked well, but yucca is good too. Um, and I was like, what the fuck? And then I saw it and I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Like, that's actually, I had a bit of a chuckle to myself, especially the mum loves it too. I did like that bit. Oh, well, that's good. I'm glad. Yeah, I was just trying to think of like a cute, relatable way to get people to know the pronunciation because when I was recording my first music video, apparently everyone on set was like, how do you say that? Like, uka, iuka. And I'm like, oh my God, is it really this hard? Oh my goodness, I need to do something about this. No, 100%. When I first saw it, I had no idea to pronounce it. I thought that's iuka so funny. or something. Yeah, that's so funny because I guess it's just like any name. Like, if you possess the name, you assume that it's relatively easy to pronounce because you've been pronouncing it so long, but apparently not. Now, Lish. Yes. Have you got me still? I've still got you. Okay, um, for anyone listening, we got to like the three minute mark and it just keeps cutting out for about half an hour in. I'm going to put this in the pod because I think it's fucking hilarious. It's been, been a trying, mission. I've been trying to get this fucking question out <laughs> so long. It's not even a question, it's just a statement. Um, now, Lish, I used to um, I used to stay at your old house quite a bit yes. back in the day. Um, usually after a big night, um, back when yes. Molly wasn't a grandma. Um, 
She's still and, a grandma now. Yeah, of course she is. She's um, a mass and, grandma. And and you know you know when like you go to bed and like you you're dreaming and you kind of like hear noises how it's like your your alarm will go off <laughs> but it's kind of like it'll be like music in your dream. Yes. Okay, so that made sense. Sweet. Um <laughs> Well, the first time I heard you sing was when I was furiously hungover <laughs> oh. after after a night out, and like I heard you sing in my dream. What? But, and, and I was expecting to like. This is when I was staying at your old house, and I was expecting <laughs> to wake up to like an alarm, but it was actually you singing. Oh my god, that's so annoying of me! Why was I singing when you were so hungover? I, I think it's just one of those nights where me and Miles just went and stuff it. Let's get pissed. Right. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what we did that night, but that was the first time I heard you sing, and that song was Champagne. Really? Wow, that's so cool. That was the first time I ha- ever heard you, and then I came out to, like, your little area, and you're like, all right, I've got some songs to play for you. I'm like, fuck, all right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> really, bitch, we're doing this today. <laughs> <laughs> and And I frothed it. Oh. I frothed all of it. I obviously probably didn't. I wasn't like, Woo! I was like, fuck, it's actually pretty good. Um, <laughs> well, but, thank you. I'm glad that you enjoyed it despite your state at that time. Yes. Um, and I heard that and I knew it was going to be a hit. Um, oh. What's the story behind this one? No Champagne was written in a state of definitely upset for me. Um you know, you sort of date people and it doesn't work out and it is what it is. But in those moments, it can be so hard to sort of process the fact that you can have such strong feelings for someone and it just doesn't work out. So Not Champagne came to fruition when I was having one of those experiences. And I think the metaphor speaks for itself. Like I'm not champagne, I'm white wine, flat and sour when you're on my mind. So, you know, like, I wanted so much from this relationship and it just was like hurting me more than it was giving me life. Um, Although the hook itself came from my other housemate who you know, Um, she was talking about a boy she was seeing and um, she very flippantly was like, oh, like he flattens all my bubbles. Like I used to be champagne and now I'm white wine, ha ha. And I was like, stop right there. Don't speak. Don't say anything else. I need to go write that down don't just that's it um so I instantly like went to my room and wrote it straight down and then a few months later it just came to fruition it just all came together so well so it was a perfect lyric that just stumbled across fuck I did not know that was Shell no not Shell my other housemate (laughs) who now doesn't live with us obviously that would be (laughs) if Shell came up with that you know that would be so cute too but unfortunately no it's one of my old housemates Ah, oh, I was gonna say, fucking Shell would have been on the way. So it. poetic. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but your first track, like I've spoke, I've spoken to a lot of artists and bands, and you know they're all kind of striving to get through like the listens, the playlists, and they go through songs after song after song, and they slowly build. But you've gone from zero to one hundred so quick just from that first song. Like it's it's like what hundred is it one hundred and fifty k streams or something? Um, or? it's actually one hundred and ninety two k yesterday. So hopefully by the end of this week it'll be two hundred k. Like that's insane. Yeah, like, I know. Off, 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 off a first song, like I knew it was going to be a hit, but <laughs> I 
I didn't know it was going to get almost 200K in the short amount of time. Yeah. So why do you think like it resonated with so many people? I think it's just, I think the premise of I'm flat and sour when you're on my mind is hitting home with people. And another lyric in there that I've had a lot of feedback on was um, like sometimes I sigh when at the mention of your name, people ask how you are, I don't know what to say. I've had a lot of feedback on that line too that people are like, oh, I hate that like when you're so invested in somebody and then it's going to crap and everyone's asking you like, how's it going? Like, how's that person you're seeing? Like, are you still together? And you have to sort of do this awkward thing that you're like, oh, I low-key broke my heart and I don't know what to do about it. But yeah, I just think the premise of the song is it's got this happy tone to it, but such a, you know, universally sad message. And I think that has just hit home with people, which I absolutely love. So it's been really cool. Yeah. um, The the white wine, I like, (laughs) I think, like, because the first time after I saw you, what was it? Scottish Prince. That was the first time I actually yeah. saw you like, full on perform. And that was really, you know, cool to kind of see how people took that song and everyone kind of loved it. Even like I brought some boys along and they're like, <laughs> Fuck, that's actually, that's actually shit. <laughs> so like. Oh my God, that's so you, good. <laughs> you know the boys I'm talking about yeah. too. So, and you can definitely see them saying that. Yes. No, totally. <laughs> I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you spoke about the um, music video and that was professional as fuck. Yes. Like, and uh, I've, I've spoken before on other podcasts, your, your music is going to go so much further if you have a cracking music video to go with it. Because if you could have a cracking song, but if you put like a half-ass effort into the music video, mm-hmm. it's not going to go as far as it could. So... Um, that music video, yeah. Walk me through. Walk me through this one. How how did you feel going into it? How do you feel it came out? So for not champagne in particular, I've had a few songs lined up for a while, but not champagne. I knew it needed a video, and as soon as I was even considering the idea, I sent two of my good friends, Charlie Jones and Benjamin, um, who are both um, they have graduated from film school at QT. I sent them two songs and said, look, these both need videos at some point. But um, the other one being I Hate The Way, which we just released last week as well. Um, Mm -hmm. But I brought those songs to them and just said, which one do you like? What do you want to do? I want you to have free reign, do whatever you want. Um, I completely trust you guys. And I was excited for them to just be able to be their creative, amazing, talented selves. So they both very quickly were like, not champagne is the one. And I went, great. So that's going to be the first single. Love that. Um, so pretty much Ben in particular, just who is the director of Not Champagne, um, he just wrote the whole concept out for me. And, you know, they put absolutely an amazing amount of time, like this huge effort into writing it, storyboarding it, costume design, um, set design, like every, it was so professional and to see my friends working at such a capacity and to be so professional and make me feel like it was just like a dream coming true. And it was just perfect to do it alongside people who I care for so much. Um, but yeah, putting the video together, I didn't really have much to do with it other than I just showed up and (laughs) sang along with my song and let them tell me what to do. Um, I just knew that I wanted the video to 
captured the the feeling of like escapism and you know like overcoming and that sort of stuff so I definitely think it achieved that I think the sequence of um the continuous running and then leading up to that big moment in the field where I'm like getting sprayed with champagne and stuff um and that like you know metaphorical release I think it all just was so beautiful and I am so happy with that video and like you said like the release of a song you can do so much with the song but if you have beautiful visuals or even just interesting visuals to um run alongside the song release like you're gonna go so much further so not champagne I think was a very good example of that because who knows what would have happened if I didn't have all these visual cues to you know market the song with alongside all I could think when watching the video was fuck she must be getting so tired from all that running because I'm just imagining (laughs) imagining all the takes she would have done just to get that perfect or was it was it like a a couple takes and and they were happy or was it like oh no at least come you on know, <laughs> pack it up babe um you know what uh ben and i met up and he um got me to do this exercise with him which was so effective and i left this meeting being like oh my god ben is out of this world an amazing director and he doesn't even know how powerful this um activity was that we did so we met up and we you know, talked through a bunch of deep crap and got really down to earth and heavy and, you know, I'm tearing up and we're walking through Burley Headland and I'm like all sad and being like, oh my God, like this is getting deep here. And he was just like, all right, now that you're feeling what you're feeling, we're going to run and you're going to think about everything we just talked about and you're going to show it in your face and we're going to try and keep talking as we're running. But I need to see your ability to run and show emotion in your face and not just look like you're dying from running. So, you know, we got running and I pretty much had to like face act while I like maneuvered and weaved my way through burly headland traffic. But um, this exercise we did and just like going for a run for a while just made it so much easier to get to the day and you know, get it done and make sure that I didn't look like I was just painfully dying running the whole time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, it wasn't like so hard, the actual running, I was pretty fine with just like running and then you stop pages and then you run and then you stop pages. It was more that with that preparation, I could show the emotion and lip sync along with the song, um, to the, you know, ability that I could, so it didn't look super Gumby but um yes it was something that was just so cool like doing that exercise with him and it helped a lot I think it was executed well in the video well you didn't look like a Gumby you looked all right. <laughs> everyone was like oh my god if I was running for that long I, my form would be so embarrassing and I was just like I don't think anyone gives a shit about my running form <laughs> I think we're overlooking the fact that that has nothing to do with the video in a way like my ability to run so <laughs> it was fine oh I'm sure someone would have over criticized it somewhere just to look for something bad <laughs> oh my someone god what's she doing <laughs> Charlotte's <Yeah>. back <laughs> some running coach would be like that's disgusting I can't watch the video. <laughs> and that's fine too that's completely fine um but uh, like I think at like advertising your music has gotten so much so important especially this year because everyone's dropped so much music in the mm. situation we're in so advertising is such a crucial part in kind of getting your stuff out there um but i've i've mentioned you in 
in quite a lot of my podcasts because oh. um, I remember at Scottish Prince, I think you you may be the first artist I asked to come on the pod and that was, you know, when we were just a little baby. Yeah, oh, I and, love that. I feel so special. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I think your first releases obviously weren't going to be when you released like Not Champagne mm-hmm. and COVID, you told me that COVID – kind of pushed you back quite a bit because you wanted to, you know, do the music video and all that type of stuff. And I use you in the pods because obviously I did this through COVID and people were releasing music. So I go, oh, I have a musical friend that, you know, (laughs) pushed everything back. Um, And they're like, oh, no, you got to release music. You got to release music. So my question to to you is why why did you hold everything back? to obviously end of the year when you could have gone okay i've everyone's in lockdown now's the perfect time to release music and that's my opinion on Mm -hmm. on releasing music and you're obviously on the other end so i'm wondering what your thoughts are on that yeah it's an interesting debate um i actually completely understand why lots of people are like no now's the time everyone's sitting at home but the flip side of that is, yeah, everyone is thinking like that. Like how saturated are releases at the moment if everyone is releasing music and no one can back it up with shows? And I also consider the fact like if I released Not Champagne in April, which is when it was supposed to be, um, mm. it's there's all sorts of things to consider. Like releasing that song in April, we would have been going into winter months and that song has a very like summer fun you know, outdoorsy energy. So considering that and then on top of that COVID, so you couldn't like go out and like play the song at a picnic, play the song while you're on a run. I mean, all of that, those sort of things were things that I know I would want my listeners or hypothetical listeners at the time to be doing. I'd want them to be enjoying the song, not just sitting at home and being like, well, I might as well listen to it because I've got nothing else to do. Um, but most importantly, I absolutely adore live performing. Um, even though I haven't done many Yuka gigs, I've been gigging as um, under a different pseudonym for like 10 years now and I'm a wedding singer, you know that. Um, so I perform a lot. So the idea of releasing music and not being able to announce two weeks later that we're doing a show and you can come and enjoy the song with me live, I couldn't bring myself to do it, uh, especially not a first release. Um, I think. Maybe all of this could have been different if I'd already released music prior to COVID. But for my absolute debut Yuka single, like I've never released anything under that name at all. I just, it just wasn't the dream that I had. And, you know, maybe that was bad marketing and maybe that um, lost me some listeners and whatever else. But I needed to tick all these boxes and having live gigs to back up the song release was a massive one for me. And admittedly, although I respect everyone else's opinion, I think it paid off so much. Um, I also built, this is funny and I don't know if we were going to touch on this later just because of the, you know, prevalence of it in my life, but I built up my TikTok presence over winter, over COVID. So to release the song at the not the end of COVID, but for in our region, the end of it in a sense, um, in a way that like most things are back to normal where we are. But um, to release that song then, it meant I'd had all of these people sort of waiting over 
our winter months and it kind of paid off. Like I think that the song got as many streams as it did because people were waiting because I'd been teasing it on TikTok and building this audience there. And um, yeah, it's it's funny. It's I, I'm sure it's just different for every artist and every band and what works for them. But I think just for a debut single um, to release it and then not do a gig for six months would have just been silly. That was my main concern. Yeah, um, I get what you're saying and I agree to an extent. <laughs> um, like obviously performing is such a huge part of being an artist um, and obviously it's it's been a success. Like you've got almost 200K in a song <laughs> but you can like there's obviously a positive and negative going into that. You can go positive, yep, it's obviously it's success, it was the right time or negative is or it could have been an extra 150k, but you're obviously not going to think like that because 100, you know, yeah, you're you're at 200k. I'm just trying to think of that as like an, <laughs> an outside person looking in, trying to prove a point. <laughs> this is my show. <laughs> Do not <laughs> but, go against my. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, but like, um, it's it's interesting to have people on both sides because you're both right. There's no there's no right yeah. and wrong time to release um, music in COVID. And you, you are right. I was having this chat with Josh Cashman the other day that um, the music, uh, the uh, industry is saturated at the moment. And it, it's cool to kind of hear that you're kind of marketing to yourself because you would be your ideal listener. Because even, exactly. even if you were someone else listening to Yuka, you would listen to Yuka. You're the type of girl that would listen to yourself. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that's so true. Like marketing to myself is a perfect way to put it. I was like, what would I want if I was interested in this song, what are the parameters of me enjoying it and is that achievable under COVID? No. So, yeah. And that's like this pod is marketed to me and like males and females, you know, our age that just love music. So I was like, hmm, when would I listen to a pod? When would I want to see all this type of stuff? So (laughs) I think it's really... uh, People that are like, oh yeah, I'm I'm this this this, but I'm going to market to something else. It's like you you don't fully understand who you're marketing to if you're not part of that target audience. Um, yep, totally. Now you did kind of stuff me up a little bit because TikTok was coming up in the chat, not yet. <laughs> but Sorry. obviously going to bring obviously going to bring it forward. <laughs> Fuck. Um. Like, oh, Lish, who's who's pod? Oh my who's god. Pod? I'm sorry. I'm so controlling and I can't just shut my mouth for one minute. So it's my fault and I know that. You're here to answer questions, not <laughs> bloody. Not, Dictate. Um, that's the word. I can't even, now you fucking help me with words. Bullshit. Um, you can't dictate the post, but let's let's go into TikTok. Yeah. You're um, even on Instagram as well. You are very open about your music and life. Um, all that type of stuff, which I think is a great idea because there's not many artists that are as open as you on TikTok or any social media. And I think that adds another, you know, kind of degree to or level to your presence as an artist. Um, Thank you. But how did this become an avenue for you to kind of show your stuff off? Do you mean TikTok in particular? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, okay. Well, I kind of just entered TikTok very tentatively, like most people. It has a pretty heavy stigma against it, which I think we're all oh, aware yeah, of. Yeah, like everyone's like, yeah, it it's so lame. And I'm like, <laughs> no, it isn't. It's so fun. And it's like full of crazy people. And I'm like, I love and resonate with crazy people. So these apps that are targeted initially for children just attract the crazies and you know what I'm just gonna lean into it so you know a funny story that happened to me a little while ago um where I swallowed a bread clip at a party and I had to go to hospital and it was a whole thing and anyone who's listening who doesn't know the story um I pretty much just was playing a drinking game and ended up swallowing the plastic spiky square that ties onto the end of a loaf of bread and that's really bad for you apparently that's really really quite bad I promise this is coming back to TikTok so I went to hospital and it was this whole story that I had to like get it removed and then they couldn't remove it and we don't know whatever happened to it because I mean I don't remember passing it and they're like you could essentially have sepsis at any time and your body's not going to break down this like thing of plastic but then other people are telling me you can anyway so I was like that's a funny story I'm psychotic I'll record the story and put it on TikTok and if people like it people like it so I uploaded this whole story and it was the first TikTok I uploaded and it blew up like straight away like um or at least for the parameters of that time for someone who had no following whatsoever so I think it got like a hundred thousand a hundred thousand views in like a day or something like that yeah so it was like this crazy thing and you know how social media works you get this instant gratification and you're like I have heaps of psychotic stories I'm a lunatic so then I just sort of started steamrolling and uploading all of these stories from you know crazy weddings I worked at and for a while on TikTok people knew me as like the chick who told all these crazy wedding stories and still now friends of friends of friends will be like oh you know that girl who does the wedding stories on TikTok it's just crazy it's a world that I didn't know existed so initially TikTok was just a bit of fun for me to show off how ridiculous I can be I suppose and then I sort of started noticing you know what this is uh, an audience this is a bunch of people that like me for me and like me for my stories and Um, you know, being a lyricist, all I do is, all I want to do is tell stories. And I bring that to my songs and all of my songs have a massive element of very clear storytelling. I'm not very cryptic about my lyrics. I like to make it a very visual experience. So I feel like all of these elements are very translatable onto TikTok. And so I began sort of approaching TikTok more as a marketing tool and eventually it paid off. Um, you know, I uploaded a few different videos about Not Champagne as it was um, being recorded to being, actually not being recorded, but being released and um, it just worked. It worked perfectly and lots of people found the song through TikTok and I'm so thankful that I just happened to stumble across it at the beginning of COVID. It was just awesome timing for me. Yeah, like I've I've um I've been formatting this pod for a while, obviously, because mm-hmm. you know we've I asked you almost a year ago, so like I haven't I didn't write it like for a long time, but I'd always have like little like notes of like oh that's a good question for her, but I did that with everyone, but like this has oh, taken cool. ages. Um, 
but like um when i um when we finally organized this pod um i the other person i work on the pod with was like oh who's that and um, <laughs> she searched you up and she's like oh it's the tiktok girl <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy hey like that is so ridiculous because so i just don't know yeah, how it got 100%. that far yeah and like she's she's down in um New South Wales, so it's wow. like it's not like you know it's a Gold Coast thing. It's like and and when when I put the TikTok question in, it was when you were releasing all the um not champagne stuff on it. And I'm like, it's a great avenue to put stuff on, and it's interesting that you didn't go on it with the kind of um yucca mindset. It was kind of just no. a I'm fucked up mindset, which I froth. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And I I just oh. I just think that's because so, TikTok. Um, I, I watch it. I think everyone goes through stages. I'm not really a big fan of it anymore, but like when I first got it, I'd be scrolling for fucking hours just watching funny videos. I can't go a day without being on it. I'm obsessed with it. I love it so much. Fuck. I just, I can't, I can't anymore. And I I get the stigma behind it because it's just all those stupid fucking You got to work the algorithm. You got to work it. You really do. And you have to like very consciously like the things you like so that you feed the algorithm to send you like the most niche crazy crap like most of my feed is like it it surprises me daily how many videos I'll get suggested to my for you page that have like two likes and it's like some absolute lunatic doing something ridiculous and crazy and no one's seen it just because my algorithm is so (laughs) targeted as like you're a crazy person. Enjoy. <laughs> You're fucked. Yeah. Here's some more people that you are You have fucked. that. <laughs> um, I was um, the person that works on it with me has been trying to convince me to start like a um, a TikTok page for the pod. Yeah, totally. But because but because everything's so like the pod's so virtual at the moment, it would be really hard to find content to do it. So yeah. like I'm I'm thinking when it gets to like another stage. Like when I can actually, you know, interview people in real life and do like full on like vlogs and that type of stuff. That's when I think it's going to be cool to do. Yeah, it's 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 in the back back of my mind, but that's that's down the road. Um, yeah, keep brainstorming. But um, I'm going to touch on something that's um, we, we've we've had a laugh today, but it's something um, pretty shitty. You you had a really traumatic experience. Um, obviously you can't talk about it. That's fine, <laughs> but um. You're very you. If anyone looks at your Instagram and you did a bit of it on TikTok as well, which I think is really smart. You obviously can't talk about it, but the certain things you put on it are, um, you know, you, you're walking people through what's kind of going through your head. Yeah. Um, but my my question is, does that do you let that affect your music? You know, when you're in the writing process, or do you kind of just block it out and go? put that to the side for a little bit and go into this mindset where you're just kind of focused on getting some music out or can it be another uh, another outlet for you to kind of put writing into that process? So a few years ago I stopped writing music um, because I just was – how do I explain it? Let me start that again. When I was in school I released music that got – away from me the producer pretty much got all experimental on it and um you know exploited me in the sense of like he just didn't care what I wanted for the song so I got scared and I stopped writing music for years um probably between 
17 to 21, I didn't write any music. And it was a very, very hard time for me to, I was almost like letting go of music. I was being like, no, it's not for me. Um, Clearly I have no like creative direction and he steamrolled me that easily. So like, how am I ever going to overcome that? But then when I was 21, um, what you're referring to happened. Um, Some pretty dark experiences did happen. I can't talk about them on the podcast, but like Brenton said, there's little hints of it all over my social media. I'd recommend you go and have a look at that, I suppose. Um, But I had a really, really hectic experience um, and it made me realize, fuck it, um, I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want with my life. And what I want is to be a musician and that is, you know, like it was just the biggest inspiration that I'd ever had was being like this fucking horrible world is going to do shit to you no matter what you do. Um, If you sit on songs and if you don't sit on songs, shit's still going to happen. So like why are you stopping yourself from just like going after the very one sole thing that you want from your life? Like just because you're scared of like some shitty producer who – to like took advantage of you in a sense in a business sense like no fuck that so I had this experience and it made me be like all right let's fucking write some shit down like let's work through this horrible thing and at least get some good out of it and I'm so proud to say that it has brought so much good to my life that mindset change and letting it push me rather than letting it pull me down into like a darker situation um So yeah, you know, like I started writing songs about that experience, um, that I had when I was 21 and, uh, I do have those songs recorded. I have, I'm not quite ready to release them yet just because, um, they have such a strong meaning to me that if they don't sound exactly how I envision them and if they aren't perfect, I feel like I'm going to be doing the story a disservice and doing the experience a disservice and undermining my own experience. So you know, that whole thing, I feel like I've said experience 800 times, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, that whole thing that happened was very, very powerful for me. And, you know, I've spent the last two years writing these songs and now finally getting to record them and release them has been like an amazing moment of clarity for me. And it absolutely is one of the things, one of those things that it might've been like the worst thing that hopefully will ever happen to me, but it has brought so much good to my life. So I'm just so thankful that I had the parameters and the people around me and the support system I did that it could go that way as opposed to going the opposite way. And, you know, like things like that ruin people's lives. But thankfully for me, I just had this perfect little situation that I actually was able to take a lot of good for it from it. So I'm very thankful for that. So you said you've, it, it's interesting to to know that you do have songs written out and recorded. Are you, um, are you waiting for the situation to come to a close so you can kind of full on um, kind of think about the whole thing? So then when someone goes, oh, what's this song about? <laughs> you can kind of um, can't come at it from a spot where you, it's kind of finalized because you, you're still in the middle of it. Yeah. So, so, and I think if you released it now, your whole mindset would be off and you're, you'd come at it too, with too much emotion. I think is, is that kind of where your head's at at the moment? A little bit. A lot of it as well is just like 
almost just typical musician bullshit where I'm like, it doesn't sound right, it's not perfect, there's something missing, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I listen to the recordings and the first drafts of the production and I'm like, it just isn't there. So, you know, I've thought about like rebuilding the lyrics and, you know, moving things around and keeping the essence of the song there and like the main message of the song there but changing a lot of other shit and there's a lot of that just normal technical stuff but... I think it does come from a place that like that these songs are so important to me and carry such, you know, such weight behind them that I don't want to just release them willy nilly. Like I worked so hard for them to even exist and went through so much for them to even exist. So I'm not going to half ass it, I suppose. And also I've just got like more fun shit going on with my life. Like, you know, those songs are there and they're great and I love them, but they're not the songs that I'm like excited about. Like the the two songs that I've currently released, I was so excited about and so over the moon for them to come to fruition. So um yeah, it's just it's not it's probably not as deep as it could be, but I mostly just am like, screw that, I'll release them when I'm ready. All right, we we've gotten we've gotten past the shitty stuff. <laughs> um let's let's get back into um the good stuff. Um, you had you had a launch party for Not Champagne. I did. That, that I attended. Yes. Um, um, and I'd, I'd never experienced something like that before. Like I've obviously got friends that have released music and but like when you see like friends from different states and that type of stuff release music, all, you, all you're seeing it is like the music video on Facebook or Instagram or you're just listening to it and you send them the message, whatever, whatever, whatever. And that's really cool. Support from afar is really nice. But with you, it was different because I, I was, I was here. So it was, mm-hmm. um, it was interesting to be a part um, of it. Kind of, yeah, be a part of it. And um, obviously, sitting down, and and another question that I formed literally that night because I was just like, "Fuck, this is mad." <laughs> sitting down all together. Um, describe to me that feeling of actually sitting down and watching it, but then people singing your lyrics oh. to you and uh. I was just like I got I got fucking gooseys just just <laughs> in that situation because I've never seen that before so how how was that feeling yeah that was a crazy fun night huh that was like such a dream come true so pretty much what I did for the context of the podcast is we were still in COVID, but we were allowed to ha- have people over to the house. There wasn't caps on the amount of people to the house, but you couldn't like go out and have a gig yet. So what I did was I had the music video play at a house party and I had like everyone who was really close to me, like I don't even know how many people were there, like 30 or 40, I don't know. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say about 30. Yeah, um, and just had everyone, you know, get on the piss and then sit around the TV and watch the video, which felt like kind of weird but also I knew that everyone would look part, like no one would look at that situation and be like, I was just so self-absorbed, like, um, I think we all just knew I just wanted to like celebrate with everyone. So that's how I chose to do it. Um, so we watched the music video and obviously as soon as it started, you know, Brenton, that it just was like, everyone started singing straight away and everyone was just like grabbing my shoulders and like, you know, like, like giggling and being excited. And when the chorus came in and everyone just like got up and started dancing and singing. And I was just like, I wasn't bawling cause I was trying to hold it together, but I was definitely like tears rolling down the face being like, this is an incredible moment for me. 
Um, and just it for it to be all of those people who are so fucking important to me, like uh, my whole entire world and everyone was there and it was just this beautiful moment and then we just played it over and over and over and all of us were like up and dancing and cheering and, you know, my you saw like Malt was picking me up and spinning me around and it was just one of those crazy moments. It was so beautiful and, you know, I almost regret not doing it again for the song that just came out now because it was just so fun. But just for, you know, a first-time release, for, to be able to experience that with everyone and enjoy that with everyone was just amazing. It was so fun. And that's when it was at like, what, 20K or something? Yeah. It wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't anything huge, like great numbers for like, and that was... Was I think it, like it was a like couple, the Saturday or something. Yeah, so the sun came out on the Thursday and then that was on the Saturday. The release like, was on the Saturday. Like great start. Yeah. But um the the, the <laughs> I don't know if you'll find this funny, but um every <laughs> every um like Insta post or story or you put up about the song, like you've obviously had heaps of achievements come off it, but you're crying in every single I one. Know. So it's like, how many times have you fucking cried? Literally. Since North Champagne has come out. Literally. Okay, so I put one up. <laughs> it's so stupid. I put one TikTok up. That was like a week later. Like, fucking give me a break. But um, the song was starting to get... Um, okay, so on TikTok, people started recording TikToks with Not Champagne as the accompanying song behind the video yeah yeah i remember that so when i started seeing that i was like oh my god like this is fucking insane like there's a million songs on this app and people are choosing that like that's ridiculous to me i think Mm. i'm just like overly invested in appreciating all of this crap and like most people are like i i think lots of people just expect musicians to be like so cool calm and collected about this shit that when people were seeing me get emotional they were like what the fuck? Like, chill out. But I couldn't. It was so overwhelmingly exciting and fun for me. So I put up this TikTok of me crying, being like, I'm so fucking hungover and I'm bawling my eyes out because people are using my song on their TikToks. And the first comment was someone being like, calm the fuck down. (laughs) And I was like, I hate myself. I was like, you are so right. (laughs) I was so like, I don't even know what to say because you were completely right. Like, fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Fuck you. You are not wrong. Yeah. Like, I appreciate your honesty and you are correct. I'm just going to continue doing my thing though. Sorry. (laughs) You can take your negativity somewhere else. (laughs) But that's, that's, but like. Yeah, you you have cried a lot, which is funny. I don't I don't see it as a bad thing. I think it's fucking hilarious. It's but just like, different. I think people, I think more people would get emotional than more musicians get emotional over this sort of shit than a lot of people realize. Like, you know, I think it's just like trendy to be dissociated from your your art, and I'm just not like that. I'm like I've worked so fucking hard to be here. I'm gonna be in this every fucking second like if that means I'm crying all the time fuck it like that's me then you know like um I just I I think I wanted to be that trendy cool person but no just not me (laughs) It, it makes you relatable though like um I've, I, you know, people release music all the time and like, oh, yeah, no, it was a really cool experience. <laughs> I had a yeah, really it was great sick. time. 
I'm not going to show any emotion, no. And it's just like, man, you've just fucking hit 100K on something or 50K yeah. or a million streams. And they're just like, yeah, it's cool. Um, yeah, it's like but, you know, you're not too cool game. for it. Like we all know you've worked so hard. Like just love it up, you know. And like I think people will stick around for tracks to come because they not not know you but like understand you in a way that mm. they don't understand other artists, which I think is really cool. Um, well, I love that. It's, it's another way to advertise. Like, it's obviously you're showing yourself, but then it's showing yourself to heaps of other people and it can get shared heaps of times, which I think is cool. Yeah. Well, you know what's funny is like when I released I Hate the Way last week, um, a lot of the comments and like the messages from people that I don't know but have been with me since Not Champagne was released, all of them messaged me like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Like, this is so exciting. I'm so excited for you. And it feels like instead of them being like, oh, my God, she released another song, cool. It's like they are invested in my progression as an artist and that's just the coolest thing on earth. Like, I am so thankful that to have somehow entranced that response that people feel like a connection to me that they are even willing to damn me like I'm so proud of you like that is such a sweet and beautiful thing to have with people that just enjoy my music like and I feel as though that definitely comes from being so emotionally available <laughs> to people online and you know that might be a bit dorky but I'm all for it I guess it's paid off for me I really like having that energy with the people who follow me mm. Now, um, another time I saw you cry was... Um, <laughs> I swear I don't cry this much, but I think I I cry more than I realise. Oh, you've probably just got like a build-up of like <laughs> years of needing to cry and you've just gone True. out like the last couple of months and just let it go. But another time another time I saw you cry was um, you got to play on... Was it Home and Hose? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. So... Um, that's that's got to be one of your biggest achievements because whenever whenever I talk to artists, they're like, oh, "I want to be on Triple J or whatever." How much do you reckon you've you've um, really taken that in that you were on Triple J? It's crazy, huh? Um, I I think any artist is very aware that getting spins on Triple J is some sort of level of accreditation that you can't achieve on other radio stations just because other radio stations aren't as open to letting new artists feature so prominently. Like, especially like, you know, other radio stations might, or I mean, when I say other, I mean big commercial stations might just spin the song and move on. But Triple J take there for, to, you know, chat about you and chat about you as an artist and where to find you and what your deal is, even if it's just for a few minutes. And it does make such a difference um, to the visibility of that artist and yeah I guess I probably still haven't quite come to terms with the fact that it got a spin on there like I think my one of my big goals is to have rotation on Triple J so like a regular play but for now like that whole segment that they did was so sweet like they actually did a segment on TikTok musicians which is how that came about um so, yeah, it was super cool and, like, the support I get on Unearthed is unreal. Like, I always read through the reviews I get left for my songs and I'm so thankful. But, yeah, hopefully I hate the way sort of sees a similar fate and gets a few spins on there too. <laughs> yeah, like, the thing that really annoys me with um, 
uh, radio stations, just mainstream radio stations, especially on the Gold Coast. Like since moving back, went like when Tones and I was getting big. <laughs> that's really. Um, I, I don't. I don't want to put the radio station out because you know I'm not going to do that. But one radio station was like, "Oh yeah, this is a homegrown artist, blah blah. Oh, we <laughs> might be one of the first radio stations to show her off." And she'd been on like, Triple J for forever for like and i years. was just like <laughs> i was just like come on guys this isn't catch you. up literally that's oh and like obviously um they've got to go through their processes and they can only show you know a certain amount of music and that's fine but um it's it's really good like i don't think artists try especially australian artists try and get to like those mainstream radio stations i think it's more about triple j and that's more of an achievement in my eyes than trying to get on mainstream. It's That's more of a um, just you've obviously got a really good team around you, good managers, good blah, blah, blah. But I think Triple J has a, an essence of that, but not as much. I think it's more about the music. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I all the small local artists I know are getting on Triple J without any managers or any of that shit. They're just putting on music and if it gets played, it gets played. Like, you know, it's the same with not champagne, like I do not have a, a team at all. I'm completely independent in every avenue of being an artist at the moment. Um, and it got spins, and it's the same way that most of the my mates who are musos have gotten on it. So that's definitely not translatable on all commercial radio. Definitely not. Oh God, no. <laughs> um. Well, all right. Let's let's go to the last time that I saw you saw you play. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was at barbecue bazaar recently yeah um that was my first gig since covid yep um and i you know i love to have boogie you've seen me (laughs) multiple times and could not do that i couldn't even stand up and just talk to your mate for 30 seconds literally so like now you can stand which is mad but like that's cool but how is that for you performing you know what i wasn't too bothered by i was like Everyone turned out. It everyone is here. If like if people are willing to come and spend their night with me um on stage yelling at them for 45 minutes, um, by all means, I don't care if you're sitting down. And you can feel that energy. It's not like everyone's just sitting there talking like it's a dinner reservation, like, you know, all the seats are facing you and everyone's like trying to boogie in their seat and it is still like I didn't care what the parameters of the night were. I was just so stoked to be there and have everyone there and have lots of unfamiliar faces there too. Like I think the turnout was like 180 people or some crap. Like it completely filled the whole venue and, yeah, it was absolutely an awesome night. So I'm not too fussed by people having to sit down at a gig. I think that's more a concern for bigger artists to worry about, like people who are like paying for ticketed gigs and they don't want to be sitting around like being bored. So whereas that just wasn't the energy of that night, like everyone was still having so much fun and it was to sport like local artists. So I think it was okay. Yeah. Like I still had heaps of fun and that was my first gig going to Barbecue Bazaar, which I liked. But the whole time I was just thinking, I was like, fuck, I'd love to have a boogie right now. I know. I'd, love, I'd really love that. And then I went and saw, might've been, yeah, it was the next night I went up to Brisbane to, saw, to see Peach Fur. Oh, yeah. And that was like, no no dissing Peach Fur. They're really good. 
but I just wasn't feeling it because obviously that their music's really, you know, up tempo and really good. And you just, it, it wasn't that they were bad. It was just that oh, I couldn't get up and dance and that made me mad. Yeah. <laughs> so I was just like, yeah, like you guys are good, but I want to go home. I to- you know what? Like I totally get it. Um, I've been to a few gigs myself and felt that, but I guess as an emerging artist and the person who's on the stage, I'm kind of just like, let's just enjoy it for what it is because it's going to be over soon. Like, let's just look at this out at this crowd and be like, this is probably the only time this is ever going to happen, that we're all having to sit down and everyone's so eager to stand up and they can't and, like, it's like this whole, like, secret little world that we're going to live in and then in a couple of years it all just seems so ridiculous that that ever happened. So I guess for me I'm like, well, I'll just take it how it is for now because it's not forever, I guess. Oh, positive thinking. I love it, Liz. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm putting my little spin on it. All right, let's let's move on to your newest track. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate the way. Now, when um, when I did first hear you sing, this was I'm quite sure you played three to me. Yes. Um, and this was the second one, and this was my favorite out of the three. Oh, that's so nice because it's my favorite too. So, um, just you know. When you're full on going for that, like just singing it out, I just love that, you know, just going through it. And you're pulling on the heartstrings a bit on this one. So um, I'm I'm guessing this one did come from some some past heartbreak. Would I be correct? You would be correct. (laughs) Um, The story of this song, wow, why do I see so emo? Like I feel like all my song topics are so emo. (laughs) But... um, (laughs) But that's, that is what it is, isn't it? Like people write about things that hurt them. Anyway, so... Um, yeah, same sort of thing as not champagne. I was seeing someone, um, I, there's a lot of hints of like long distance in that song. I, I don't even know if that's apparent or not, but the song is like talking about how, you know, I was away and this person was like begging me to come home and being like, nothing's the same without you. And blah, blah, blah. Like this whole town is like boring without you being here and just having these big romantic conversations while I was away and then as soon as I came home it was like nothing it was like I was just like it never existed this relationship and then it was on again it was off again it was on again it was off again and I was coming out of a pretty dark time and I got so attached to the idea of this relationship that I started overlooking the fact that we were never going to work and like it was never going anywhere just because I was like someone is making me feel these things that I didn't know I could feel anymore. So like I was coming out of this like really sad experience, which we talked about obviously early in the podcast um, and sort of I, I had that whole time happen and one of the things I was worried about was like what if I can never feel like affection for someone ever again like what if I can't be intimate with people ever again like these are all things that are unfortunately affects that these things have on people so I was scared of that for myself and seeing this person um helped me realize no like you are completely capable of love you're completely capable of opening your heart up to people and you will continue to do that it's just that this is the wrong person for that exertion of energy. And so that hook of um, I fucking hate the way you set my heart aflame and let me burn is talking about how they made me feel so much and made me fall for them and fall head over heels and then just were happy to let me fizzle out and let me 
burn on my own and let me feel that and not do anything to help me out and aid me for it. But then the resolution at the end is um, I fucking love the way you set my heart aflame, um, ablaze. I still let it burn. So that's in reference to everything that I was just talking about that I was like, you know what, this person doesn't want me, but they've reminded me that I'm still like a powerful, loving person and I have that within me and I'm choosing to still love that even if you don't want me and I'm choosing to still have those feelings because it's good for me and it makes me happy. And, yeah, I it is one of those things that it comes from heartbreak, but the song for me more represents like a growing experience, like a transitional period that I had. Yeah, and um, obviously living, I lived away for a long time as well, that I've had the exact same situation. That's probably yeah. why I resonate with with this song so much. It's probably why it's one of my favourites. Oh. Um, but I, I think it's really funny <laughs> that if you're kind of turning into like a better version of Taylor Swift, <laughs> like, like if 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 well. you date someone, and I know I know you have a partner now, but like <laughs> if like God forbid if you break Drag up, he knows he's, the <laughs> he he knows he's getting a song about him. He's he's gonna go, he's gonna get one. You know what? That song I hate the way I feel like you were at this gig. Were you at this gig that this happened? Yes or no? So one of the Scottish Prince gigs. There was a guy there and the song was about the guy. And I feel like you were there, but maybe you weren't. And like I was not there, okay. but I remember you telling me this story. Yeah. So um, I think I think it was like a couple months after. Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah. So like I said, it was on again and off again. So I wrote this song and I was like begging him to come to this gig because we just sort of had like a resolution to like one of our a hundred arguments. And I was like, come to the gig, like, I would support you because they're a musician as well. So um, I was like, I'll do this for you. So, like, you should do it for me. And then I played the song and he stormed out. Like, he fully got up and cracked the fucking nanas and was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, and then left. And I tried to call him being like, hello, the resolution of the song is that I still care for you and I'm willing to overlook all of this trouble we've been through because I still fucking care about you. And he was just like, I can't believe you do that. You've humiliated me in front of all your friends. And it was this fucking whole thing. And I was like, oh, my God, like, relax. Like, it's a song. No one knows what I'm talking <laughs> about except for you. Like, chill out. And I was like, this is how I express myself. I don't know what to tell you. Like, this is, you know this about me. You know I'm a musician. This is how we as artists, express ourselves. Like, what do you expect if you keep fucking me over? I'm going to fucking write about it. And he didn't like that. Um, He was like, no, like, rah, 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 I don't understand, blah, 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 blah. It was this whole ordeal. So, you know, with my partner now, he's aware of all these stories. So, <laughs> I mean, I cannot see a reason for us to break up ever at all, but um. I think he's very aware that like songs coming, whether they're positive or negative, <laughs> they're going to come and they just have to be seen as a blip in one minute of a um, huge and like beautiful relationship. And like, you talk about the shit that happens. It's the same as you go and talk to a friend. You're not sitting there gushing about your partner the whole time. You're not sitting there like, Oh my God, like here's the 800 things they did. That was so beautiful. And, so caring for me. No, you go over there and you're like, I need to fucking vent about some shit. 
and it's not indicative of the entire relationship, but this is what it is and I need to get it out. And songwriting is the exact same thing. I'm not going to, it's not as interesting to talk about how happy and perfect my relationship is. It's just not that good of a story. Like what's the climax of that story? So, you know, um, I just think that songwriting is such an exertion of emotion for me that, you know, (laughs) my partner probably just needs to understand that. And I'm sure that he does. Well, I think going into it, like you can't be oblivious to it. Yeah, no. If you're dating dating a musician and then they write a song about you, it's not like they've stabbed you in the back. It's like, "Mm, you know, you know what you were getting into, mate. Yeah, totally. Like it's, it, 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 it's getting into a relationship with anyone. You know that if you fuck up, like it's, there's going to be a discussion. Like, I just think it's <laughs> like human nature, especially as an artist, to express what you're going through. Um, now, we're, what, October, middle of October. Mm-hmm. And I know I know you've got a few more gigs and stuff coming out. Um, yeah. Like do, doing something with Ivy, which is like, that's huge. I know, um, crazy. Like obviously easily one of the biggest bands coming out of the Gold Coast right now, doing some really good stuff. Um, but is there anything else you've got for the next two months? Well, actually, before that, um, I've got a gig at Moe's. So Moe's has a clubhouse in Burley. That's on the 17th. Um, that's going to be freaking hype. So that's a birthday setup that they're doing for their first like birthday as a as a venue. So they've got like two sessions running. So I'm playing the first session of that day, which will be awesome. And then the gig that you're referring to, the Ivy gig, that's actually Creep Show, which is on the 31st at Barbecue Bazaar. That's going to be, oh, my God, that gig is going to be so sick. So, like, everyone has to dress up. All the bands are dressing up. I've got my costume ready. Um, and it's going to be a fucking awesome night. So, like, get tickets for that one. And then beyond that, I'll pretty much be working on – an EP, which is exciting. So I just released, I mean, sorry, I just recorded another single, which will come out hopefully within the next two to three months. And then we'll be trudging along trying to get an EP organized. So yeah, maybe I haven't got any gigs beyond October right now, but I'm sure they will come. And I'm really excited for that too. I'm guessing that third song, correct me if I'm wrong, is would would it be the third song that you showed me when you first sung to me? So no, guess. yeah, no. I um I'm putting that one on the back burner. That's one of the ones that I'm like, it's not finished. There's something wrong with it. It's missing something. So this song that I've just recorded um is one of my favorites as well. I mean, that's a bit biased, isn't it? I'm always gonna be like, it's one of my favorite, but I like my own song. Yeah, no way. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah, no. Uh, this song to record was so fun and so easy. Like, it just had that sort of thing to it where you leave the studio and you're like, that was it. That's the one. That that's gonna be fucking sick. So, um, I'm really excited for that song to come out. The one that you're referring to, I need to give it a bit of a makeover. I think. A few herbs and spices. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, now let's let's say that I talk to you again um, in twelve months' time, October twenty twenty one. What's one thing you would have wanted to have accomplished with um, your music? You know what? I my biggest dream is to just play on a festival lineup. I'm not fussy, which, but the only mm. thing is with COVID allowed, like who knows if that is even a thing. So. 
you know, in a perfect world, if COVID doesn't exist and we can do whatever the fuck we want, I would absolutely love to have been on a festival lineup, like something like, you know, Groove in the Moo or really low, really, 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 really low down on like Splendor in the Grass or something like that. Like um, any of those (laughs) 12 p.m. slots, I would absolutely die if that happened in the next year. But, you know, like if I think if you get to that 12 p.m. slot, you know you're getting up there, like you know mm-hmm. you're getting recognition. So even though it's really low and you might only have like 50 or 100 people watching you, like you know that you're getting recognised by the people that like can yeah. kind of um, elevate your career. So and I think that's just a good start. Like Tones and I was a 12 o'clock slot. Like, well, it's crazy, I, hey, and now she's like a freaking millionaire. Well, like one of the biggest artists we've ever had. So, you know, I think that's insane. And I think that's a, like, there's a lot of little festivals, well, before COVID, like, well, not little, but just, you know, not that type of, kind of um, tier two festivals, like, don't want to diss them, but like (laughs) this, that, yours and ours, like all those, like good festivals, but like obviously not your splendor and falls and beyond the valley and, and i would die to be on any of those too any of those yeah, exactly. i would it's be freaking over the moon yeah yeah sweet um lish thanks for coming on today this has been the um biggest part i've ever done yeah so, nice and long <laughs> put put that on the resume i knew Woo. it was gonna be a long one because like because i can't shut the fuck up well obviously because <laughs> i've known you for a while so <laughs> I, I knew it was gonna be a long one but Wish the best for this release, your next release, and um, I'll see you soon. Yay, see you soon. Thanks so much for having me. To keep up to date with all things breaking through, make sure to check out our socials.